Hewler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. High noon on a Monday afternoon. That can only mean one thing. It's time to go inside the electric factory on Steelers Nation Radio for the next two hours. He's Arthur Motes. I'm Wesley Euler. This is our 120 minutes that we call Steelers Blitz. I've got a microphone and you don't. Uh oh. That's Adam Sandler's line in The Wedding Singer, is the name of the movie? Yes. Classic. So, so you will listen to every dang word I have to say. Well, he doesn't say dang. He uses a different four-letter word, but I think you oh, can. Oh, what word does he use? Uh, I, well, it, uh, it's a thing that beavers oh. also like to build. Okay, okay. Yeah, I think. Nice. Uh, yeah, I have a microphone and you don't, so you will listen to every dang word I have to say. <laughs> Arthur Motes, I know a small percentage of people, I, and I say small there because I, I do think the majority of the people that rock with us, man, we love them and they're on the same page as us. There will be a small percentage, small minority of people who don't like the way that we start today's show, but you know what? Uh-oh. Suck it up, buttercup. Uh-oh. Um, because, and I'm guilty of this too, 10, 12 years ago, Arthur Motes, when I was just getting into this business, you know, when I was in college, when mm-hmm. I was starting to intern, starting to work at radio stations for the WVU Athletic Department. Me too. I was even guilty at times of that whole stick to sports mantra, right? Correct. I mean, come on, guys. Like, none of us got into sports because we want to be talking about social justice or the economy or police. Stick to sports, right? I've been guilty of that in times in my life, too. But anybody who is saying that now, I think, is lying to themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when we talk about how a lot of times sports and what's going on in society in terms of the social injustice and things like that, a lot of times it's synonymous with each other because a lot of the athletes – in America that are professional have had to endure a lot of these things. And at one moment we're preaching and praising guys for their work in the community. We preach and praise guys for their giving back and being involved and trying to make a difference. But at the same time, we will criticize them and critique them and tell them that they need to stick to a sport just because it's something that may make the listener or the viewer feel uncomfortable. Carl Anthony Towns, who lost his mother to the coronavirus, mm-hmm. is out marching in Minnesota. Think think about that. A guy who lost his mom during this pandemic and all the emotions and the worries and the nervousness that that should cause you during a pandemic, Carl Anthony Towns is still out there during all this. Brett Kiesel. Nah, nah. My brother. Is marching in Pittsburgh yesterday so for 15, 20 minutes here, Motsi, because we're going to talk some football stuff. We're going to talk some Steelers stuff on the show today. But for 15, 20 minutes today, uh, it's impossible to stick to sports. Yeah, and I, I think that we'll be doing the Steeler Nation radio. We'll be doing the power good a disservice if we did do that because it would come off very tone deaf. When you think about Steeler Nation as a whole, when you think about Mr. Rooney and the Steelers organization stands for, I mean, they preach diversity, the Rooney rule. They preach Equality. They preach making sure that nobody feels as if they aren't being properly represented. And when you look at Steeler Nation, it's one of the most diverse fan bases globally. Yeah. So if anything, they should understand that even more so in terms of 
if we were to just come over here and act as if nothing is going on, you know, act as if the world isn't right. quote unquote on fire. I we're just here. Oh no, everything's fine. No, we don't a, see anything. We'd be doing a greater disservice. Absolutely. Moats, there were some type of protest, right? And whatever you want to, because again, that's a big term, protest. Mm-hmm. Whatever you want to call it, though, right? Peaceful protest, um, things that turn violent, things that turn into riots of nature, whatever you want to call it, right? But some type of protest, Arthur Motes, this is an insane stat to me. Over this weekend, broke out, erupted, whatever term you want to do, use, protests in 140 American cities. Mm-hmm. Can you even name 140 American cities? I don't think I could. If we sat here for the next two hours, I don't think I could name 140 American cities. That's how widespread this is right now. Yeah, and uh, when you think about it, man, the protesting, regardless of, like you said, where that line is drawn between protesting and looting, what's deemed too far or unnecessary. Criminal versus, versus just. I look at it this way, man. There's been numerous opportunities for it to have not gotten to this. Mm-hmm. Not just this year, in the past couple of years, there's been numerous opportunities over the past 10, 20 years. But every time someone speaks up, every time something is done peacefully, it is essentially met on deaf ears. It's essentially overlooked or just wiped under the rug. They say black lives matter, then it's all lives matter. They say, hey, Kaepernick is kneeling for this. They try to change it to the flag. It's a whole bunch of moving the narrative and just moving the goalposts, essentially, and trying to find ways to make the person feel a little bit better about themselves, the oppressor Mm -hmm. in this situation. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, man, this is the group. This is what it looks like when you're fed up. This is what it looks like when you've been trying to go about it the right way. I mean, how many different ways is there to protest? If one person does this, how many times do we hear it? Man, I don't want to hear that, man. No, do it a different way. Okay, they tried this way of protest. I don't want to hear that either, man. Do it this way. Okay, so they tried this way. How many times is it going to take before you say, you know what? Let's just go ahead and burn the whole city down. Let's go that route because that seems to get your attention. I look at it no different than when you're talking to your child. You can see your child can be trying to get your attention. Hey, dad, 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 mom, 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 over and over and over, right? They're saying it nicely. Okay, now they might go over to you and touch you on the wrist. Hey, dad, 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 mom, mom. No, no, get out of here. Get out of here. I ain't want to hear it. Okay. But now when that child throws something and breaks something, now, oh, whoa, 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 what were you doing? Now they got your full attention. But if you look, it was numerous opportunities before it even got to that, mm-hmm. where they had a chance, where you had a chance to diffuse the situation and have that conversation. And unfortunately, this is what it is. But I will say this. I guarantee the next time they'll listen. I guarantee the next time after you see how this thing has progressed, you will listen to that person when they say, hey, I don't like this. This doesn't make me feel good. I don't feel like I'm represented properly. I can assure you that because they're not going to want to go back to this because also when I think about the whole looting situation, man, they're burning down these buildings and burning down these places. These are the same places that have these minorities being misrepresented. You look at the schools that the non-minorities go to versus the schools that minorities go to. You look at the textbooks there. You look at the funding that goes to these places. Do you think that they feel represented in these communities? Do you feel like when they go to some of these stores, when they're profiled to walk inside there and, hey, man, I understand this is a black-owned store, but, hey, I don't want you in here or I'm going to make sure police follow you around while you're in here. I've seen it. I've personally experienced it. So it's not going to have the same effect when they're burning that building down that you might be saying, oh, man, that's too much. Why would you do that? Why are you going too far? Because for these individuals, these are the same people who've been in some of these situations, who have been violated in these situations, who've been profiled in these situations, and they're fed up. Society, right? What we deem a society rules, right? The way that we think people should, quote unquote, act. 
It's 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 a social contract, right? Absolutely. People abide by laws because they think that those same laws are going to protect them. Mm-hmm. You don't go and, and break your neighbor's windows because you're confident that if your neighbor came and broke your windows, people, law enforcement would stand up for you. Absolutely. It, it's, it's a social contract. And when elements of that contract continuously get broken or one end doesn't hold up their side of the bargain, you compile all that with, as you mentioned, it's not like this just came out of nowhere. Mm. Minorities, people of color in this country have been trying to tell us for decades that this stuff is going on in many different ways. It it goes back further than the kneeling of Kaepernick. Martin Luther King was assassinated before he was 40 years old. And he was doing all people now are putting up pictures and memes of Martin mm-hmm. Luther King. And this is how you protest. And this is how you do it peacefully. Where was that same energy when he was getting assassinated before exactly. age 40? Exactly. Arthur Motes, everything about today is tense. And I think, too, we'd be lying to ourselves if we didn't say that there's other things playing into this, too. Right. Like 40 million people are unemployed in this country right now. A hundred thousand people over a hundred thousand people have lost their jobs. This is the most combustible moment, I think, of my lifetime. Absolutely. By far. Everything about this is tense. It's an unfortunate situation, man. But I just laugh a little bit to myself when, like you said, people act as if this just happened. Yes. I mean, are we forgetting Antoine Rose's situation happening in Pittsburgh? Protested from that. What happened? No change. Are we forgetting about Ferguson? Protested, no change. We're forgetting about Baltimore. Protested, no change. You see all these instances where people have protested, all these instances where athletes in particular have tried to use their platform. Different people have tried to speak up. But once again, it was always met on deaf ears, and that's ultimately why the things are happening, how they're happening. And like I said, it's different ways to go about it. And I agree 100 percent. I mean, am I am I a fan of people burning stuff and protesting in the way that they're doing right now? Not all the way, but at the same time, I do. I, it's it's hard for me to sit here and tell a person how they should react. Nailed Wes, it. if if Nailed I it. if I smack you, Wes, yes, I should sit here and say, "Hey, Wes Lueller, don't smack me back. Go get an authority to help you out." That should be the case, right? Well, I need some help because but I mean, but you, you might, but in theory, you might just say, "You know what? I want to smack you back," and I can't Take fault you for that. My own hands. You might say, "I want to just cry in the corner." I can't fault you for that. But why is it that as Americans, we like to dictate how people are supposed to react? We're quick to say, oh, you shouldn't go there. No, that you've done too much. It was okay to stand here, but why do you want to yell? It's okay to yell, but why do you want to throw this? Why, why, why do we feel that we have that authority? That gets to another thing that really bothers me that you hear a lot during times like this. What it means to be a quote unquote real American. No one, listen, I'm going to say this loud and clear to everybody listening right now. No one has a monopoly on what it means to be a real American. All right? Someone living in, a, in, in New York City or in LA or Chicago who works as a business person, who takes the train to work every day, is no more real American or less American than someone who lives on a farm in Kansas with 150 acres of land. There's no such thing. That it means to be a real American. No group of people, no race, no gender, no working class has a monopoly on what it means to be a real American. Saying I'm an American doesn't feel the same way to everybody. And to the people who it doesn't feel the same way to you, you don't you have no right to tell them 
That's wrong. That is one of my biggest pet peeves. You normally hear that every four years around election time, right? Yes. Which, can, which <laughs> candidate, which political party represents real Americans as if real Americans are something we can pen down and define? That's what makes us American, as if there's no such thing as a real American. You're absolutely because right. Because it's a melting pot of diversity, of different cultures, of different people, of different ages, of different ethnicities, of different backgrounds, of different ways of life. Someone who lives in New York City, Arthur Motes, that's never had a driver's license and never had a backyard in their life is no different than somebody who lives in western Pennsylvania with 20, 30 acres of land. There's no such thing. All that it means to be a real American, at least I think, is that you believe in what this country stands for. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? Mm. Where's that now? (sighs) Yeah. But you know, the thing that's still... Not even funny to me, but the thing that is going to continue to happen in this sense, and we're already seeing it right now, similar to when the Kaepernick thing started, right? So when he first started in, it was for a purpose. It was for a protest. It was for something very, very specific. And then, you know, a couple months later, you start seeing people kneeling in. It really came off as ingenuine. They were doing it more for the propaganda and less for the actual protest, more for the social media element of it to get people to say, oh, man, look, I'm supporting as well. Yes. Versus the reality of it in terms of going out and doing stuff to improve your community, going out and trying to improve the relationships between law enforcement and and the, the inner cities and people like that, minorities in particular. And I think that it's important that people understand the difference between the two. Because yes. now, after a couple of days of protests, we've seen it. I mean, people are just going on now just to post a picture. And a week from now, when you, when it's time to do anything of substance, whether it's voting, whether it's getting out and helping out in the community, whether it's doing anything from a resource standpoint, monetary or time, they're not going to be there. And that's the part that frustrates me the most. I just, I'm not a fan of when people do things to, 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 yes. to ultimately help their social status, to help yes. them feel more accepted. Because oh, now everybody, hey, everybody is posted. So now we all got to say something. I mean, you're seeing it across the NFL. I mean, you're seeing it from major sports teams, right? I mean, the one that got me the most was obviously the NBA. They, they are big believers, big supporters in, in change. They support their players 1,000%. They back them in every way, shape, or form. And then you have the NFL. Now, obviously, the NFL was my employer, and I have a ton of respect for the NFL. But when they posted their statement. A little bit different. It it did not come off as genuine. You know why? Because, what, this has been, what, a couple years now, right? When they had a player using his platform to draw awareness to these type of situations, these type of instances, we saw how the NFL responded to that. We saw the policies the NFL – now, regardless if you want to say they blackball Kaepernick or not, that's fine. But for a fact, I can tell you firsthand, I saw the policy that they implemented where it said you are not allowed to kneel. You need to either stay in the locker room or stand on the sideline. That right there is minimizing your voice. That right there is telling you what you are and are not allowed to support. So when I see the NFL come off – and give this, oh, man, we, we feel the pain of George Floyd, and we want to back him, and we want to support this, and we are believers in this, it comes off as, as really hypocritical, really hypocritical, because we saw when they had the opportunity, what they did. They essentially turned their back. And now all of a sudden that has become the popular thing to do, right? You're seeing every different organization, company, Post something, send you an email. It's kind of like when the coronavirus started, right? Hey, we're doing this to make sure. Hey, hey, we're doing this to make sure that you know we're taking safe measures and you can support us. 
Now this the new this is the new coronavirus message. Hey guys, we don't believe in racism. We're strong and we're we're gonna fight to make sure that social injustice ends in America. It just comes off as real, real hypocritical and not very genuine because of the actions that have taken place before. Now, I hope and I pray that going forward that all these places turn over new leaves, that everybody in America can turn over a new leaf to understand the severity of the situation and ultimately make it a better place. But as of right now, it hasn't gotten to that. And honestly, I still feel weary thinking that it will change because for so long, it's been like this. It's, it's the same thing. Wash, repeat, rinse. Why, well, you know what I mean? Just like same cycle, same cycle, same cycle. This happens, protests, people make posts. Month later, forget about it, happens again. It's tiring. It's funny you say that because I didn't write much down in my notes, our show prep notes for this, because I figured you and I would just speak from the heart. But one of the things that I have here, right, is about that whole, you know, I've used this on the show before, the whole definition of insanity, right? Mm -hmm. But before I get to that and kind of give my final thoughts and then I'll let you wrap this up, I I liked what you hit on at the start there just a, a minute ago about the social media and people trying to twist this and and get their message or their way of thinking across right like people always this is important to for anybody in this country of any age for any time like this people will always try and profit off of times like this right you've we, again it's funny how some with the pandemic some of this stuff is mm -hmm. intertwined you've seen this with the pandemic right the increase in fraud the increase in people who went out and bought hand sanitizer oh, yeah. and, and and wipes and cleaners and then tried to sell it for six times the price people will always try and profit off of times like this we see this with everything bad people are always going to try and profit off of bad times don't let that distract you from the real problems the real issues that truly need addressed Mozi, don't let other people move the goalposts. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a, this is what you hit on. You can find a story or a piece of footage or a clip to fit any narrative out there right Easily. now. Uh, looting and lawlessness or peaceful protesters. You can find dozens of media, of information, of pictures, of videos, or whatever to side with either. Both are true. Uh, is it the left wing or is it the right, right wing? Is it terrorist groups? <laughs> undisciplined cops, right, versus smart and compassionate law enforcement who are listening to their community. You can find both. Uh, nuance dies on social media, Motsi. Nuance die, and I, I love social media, and I love the term nuance. Nuance dies on social media. Uh, nuance dies when you have leaders who thrive on conflict and drama and hate. Mm -hmm. Social media compels us to speak even when we have nothing to say. Uh, and it seems like the less people know, the more inclined they are to speak, man. We've got to change that or at least realize that. Be honest about that. Most, this is my last thing, and then, I, then I'll turn it over to you to close us out here. And I did write this down because I wanted to make sure I got this right. Uh, my pledge or my plea, if you will, right, uh, to all the people who look like me, who grew up like me, and... I grew up in Cranberry, Pennsylvania. I graduated high school with 230-some people. We had one minority in my graduating class. The rest of us were white. So that's what I mean by grew up like me. Uh, stop acting like there's a way for minorities in this country to demand and plead for their full rights as American that will be deemed appropriate by the majority of non-minorities. Moats talked about this at the start of the segment. 
Uh, and I wrote these things down. A, a fist in the air on the podium at the Olympics led two black men to become among the most hated in this country, hated people in this country, taking a knee in silent protest during the national anthem. Uh, I talked about this, the most famous human rights activist ever, who, mind you, led a non-violent movement. That was his thing. He was killed and assassinated before he was ever even 40 years old. Listen, don't tell. That's that's my plea. And this is coming from me, a gas bag radio host. Like, there's nothing I enjoy more than running my mouth about things I think that I know. It's time for me to zip it. It's time for us to zip it and listen. Don't tell people how to feel. Listen for once. And Moats talked about this, too. If not, we're going to be doing this all again. We're going to be talking about these same issues, going through these same things, seeing more people die, seeing more civil unrest. We'll be right back here again at this same spot soon. It's the definition of insanity. And this is the last thing, too, and this is to to people like me. If you think any of this is political, please search your heart. (laughs) Like, please search your heart. Do some self-evaluating. Evaluate your priorities and where you place your identity in life. Because identity politics are dangerous. And human rights, asking for equality isn't political. Mm -hmm. Let me repeat that. To anybody who thinks this is political, human rights, asking for equality is not political. And if you think it is, that says more about you than anyone who's marching out there on the streets. Man, that was beautiful. I like it. I like it, man. But ultimately for me, man, I keep it real simple. We all have to be the change that we want to see in the world. It's that simple. And it starts with us. We can't look to the next person or the next person after that. You all have to look. We all have to look ourselves in the mirror and say, hey, I'm going to do better today. I'm going to communicate better. I'm going to listen better. I'm going to stand up for this. I'm going to say that, hey, this is unacceptable. It starts with us, though, 1,000 percent. And then lastly, man, love heals all. We got to love, man. We have to love and we have to strive to unite, not divide. Because right now, it's easy to go down that path of being divisive and and ultimately putting that line and making people have to choose, pick a side. It shouldn't be that. It shouldn't. We should be able to unite. And we should ultimately be able to make this world a better place. And I think that we will. But it's going to take time. And it's not going to be easy. It's going to be some uncomfortable moments. It's going to be some situations Mm -hmm. where people feel uncomfortable. But if that's what it takes for this world to be what it needs to be, well, so be it then. My man, I just, if we would have come in here today with our usual goofiness and started talking about, well, Dak Prescott still won't sign a contract, I, I, it just wouldn't, do it. wouldn't have been genuine. That's one thing. You and I, I think, above all else, we're genuine. We, you know, what we're feeling on a particular day, our, our particular mood on a certain day, I think always shines through in our shows. Absolutely. And, and we had to let that reflect a start here, but I promise you, uh, we will get to some football here on the other side. But nothing that we're going to talk about for the next 90 minutes was important as the things we talked about for the first 25 minutes. Uh, if you want to talk about this, you know where to find us on Twitter. And there's no real perfect transition for me here to go to break. Mm. <laughs> so that's what we're going to do when we come back. We will discuss some football things that have been uh, on the table over the weekend. And all this is still on the table again for the next 90 minutes. If you've got thoughts, you know where to find us. We'll talk to you on the other side. He's Arthur Motes. I'm Wesley Euler. This is Steelers Blitz on SNR.
This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler with you here on a Monday, a heavy Monday, where we're going to do our best to toe that line between being a sports radio show and, and talking about what everybody's talking about. Uh, and maybe that's where I'll, I'll start to transition this, Arthur Motes, is... I can't believe I'm going to say this. Again, as someone whose livelihood is sports, and I admitted in the last segment, I'm a radio gas bag. And somebody who just as long as I can remember, I've loved sports. You know, like sports are like the the tangible, the, the thing that matters least in life that I care about the most, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, aside from your family and your friends and your health, we both love sports. Uh, you you made a career in sports. I'm making a career in sports. You're making a second career in sports. So nice I had to do it twice. I, if there was ever a time in this country to not have sports, now's the best time for it. I know that that sounds crazy, and no, I know no, that there's. No. A, I, I know exactly what you're saying. I know there's a lot of people saying, "Wait, man, we could use sports no. so much right now." Mm-mm. We don't need that distraction right now. Exactly. Everybody needs exactly. to be. Everybody needs to be head on, looking in the mirror, looking mm-hmm. at these issues, being forced to contemplate. You can't change the channel from this. You can't change the channel from this. Yes. And I think that's a good thing at this time. One thousand percent. Because if sports was going on, then you're absolutely right. People can easily get distracted. People. I mean, let's see. It, it will be a controversy all weekend until the next big game on Tuesday night or Friday night, and now all of a sudden, oh man, we're tuning into this. We don't have time for that. So without a doubt, 100%, this is the best time. And the fact that coronavirus has been going on, shout out to COVID-19 in this <laughs> regard, you don't even have to go to work. Everybody's more everybody's more <laughs> tapped into the news, yeah. to their phones, to social media Absolutely. than ever before. You don't have the day-to-day of, oh, I got to get the kids ready for school. Or oh, I got to go, go to work 9 to 5. I got to do this. I got to do that. No, 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 no. You got to sit here and see it. You got to sit here and own it and face it and understand that, hey, this is reality right now. This mm-hmm. is real life. Mm-hmm. You can't just turn the channel. You can't just cl- turn a blind eye to it. Because if you're turning a blind eye to it now, I mean, come on, baby. What is that saying about you? Because there is zero excuse. You can't use no the excuse. excuse. So, oh, I didn't know this was going on because I've heard that too many times. Is it really that bad? I mean, does it really go on? No, you can't use that excuse. I mean, are you sure it's like that? It can't be that you, bad. You want to know how I know you can't use that excuse especially? It's because, like, the one team sport, and again, NASCAR, I realize it's a team effort. The one, <laughs> shout out to my guy Joseph. Yes, sir. Uh, the one team sport that's still going on right now, the German Soccer League, you could argue their biggest star is a 19 year old named Jaden Sancho. Mm-hmm. He's a London born English kid who plays in Germany for Borussia Dortmund. He scores a hat trick yesterday, mm-hmm. but after he scores his first goal, he takes his jersey off to reveal on his yellow undershirt where he had mm-hmm. written with a Sharpie, Justice for George Floyd. A 19-year-old London-born soccer player who plays in Germany scores a goal and takes the opportunity to say, to put out the message in Europe of justice for George Floyd. There's no escape in this, Motes. It is everywhere as it should be. And my thing is this. Why should you want to escape it? Why why shouldn't you want to just fix the problem? Because that was the other thing that I would always hear when the – I mean, because for me, to give you a little context, I mean, I've experienced – all of these type of things, whether it was happening to me, happening to a friend of mine, happening to my father, happening to a cousin, whatever it may be, throughout my 32 years of life. But it's funny, man, when Kaepernick was doing this, when when, when he started bringing the, the spotlight to this, 
people were so quick to, oh, man, stick to sports. We ain't got time for that. No, no, no. We, we ain't, we're not trying to hear that. And now it's like, no, no, no. We, we have to address this. We have to fix this. There is no more just stick to this or stick to that. You have to speak on it. You have to address it. And, and then people would say, well, if it's that bad, why don't you just leave? You got money, go move out the country. Go move to Canada. Which, go move there. Go move there. Which, that line of logic <laughs> drives, drives me, me nuts. nuts. Because you know why, Moats? Because as sports fans, right, the same people that say that is sports fans will sit there and complain about their team, their owner, mm-hmm. their head coach. Go pick a new for team year. to cheer okay, for. Fine. No, 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 no. Uh-uh, I'm loyal. This is my team. I had one, and one of my one of my good friends. He's a Washington Redskins fan, and he was saying that right. Well, all these people who don't like it, why don't they just move away from America? And I said to him, I said, buddy, I've known you since 2009, 11 years. We've been friends, and you've been complaining about Dan Snyder and the mm-hmm. Washington Redskins for 11 years. Go find another team Go to pick support. Team. That's it. Same concept, right? Same concept. Same concept. You can be critical of things while still loving them. That's exactly. something. And you can it, it works the other way too. Like you can, can you can condemn things and still love them. You can love things and still not like it, 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 I don't know the exact words, well, but I, you know what I mean there. Like I think we think in this country a lot of times right that if you here's where I'm going. If you love somebody, you automatically support and agree with everything that they do. If you don't love somebody, you automatically like it can work both ways, correct. man. Absolutely. And, and I think this why is it that only when it comes to social issues like this that make people feel uncomfortable when you talk about the R word, racism, now all of a sudden it's cut and run. You're not allowed to stand up and fight for it. You're, hey, I love America. I want to fight for equality amongst everyone. No, 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 no. You can't do that. Just, hey, move out the country, man. You got money. Why are you mad? Don't don't complain about a fine supposed to live. But if it's anything else, oh, how many times you hear about it? Oh, if you really love that person, you'll fight for that person, right? If you really love that job, you'll stand up and take a stand and make sure you keep that job. If you really love your team, you'll stick with them through thick and thin and all this other stuff. Why is it that in every single topic, every other thing outside of racism, outside of social injustice, it's okay to fight for it. It's okay to stand up for it. It's okay to bleed, sweat, and cry over it. It's okay. But when it comes to this racism we're talking when it comes to social injustice what we're talking about when it when it comes to the improper treatment of minorities oh no i don't want to hear that why are you complaining just go find someone else to live you don't have to live here you don't have to stay in america you can go to canada you can go to mexico you can go over here why don't you go over there like you like universal health care move to norway like it drives me nuts (laughs) yeah there's there's Man, you nailed this in the first segment. When we talk about things like this, there is hypocrisy all over the place. Mm-hmm. There, There is hypocrisy all over. The, with a lot of this stuff, uh, like Richard makes a, a good point here about like the religious element of all this too. Any person who claims to be religious, to believe in God, to believe in Jesus, to believe in heaven, no matter what Christianity, Catholicism, no matter what your route is to God, to religion— I've never read any version of of the Bible or you know of any any book of religion where they talk about hating people of other colors, right? Because yeah, uh, most of what I heard from you know the Bible and read and things about Jesus and things about God again, and it doesn't matter which way you go, your your avenue of religion, man, it's about loving everybody. It's about treating others as you want to be treated. It's about it's about a community of faith, right? And 
I think sometimes the same people that want to use religion, right, to condemn protesting and riots and violence are missing the part, the passages of the Bible where Jesus is talking about loving everybody equal, treating your neighbor as yourself. Well, see, it's funny you say that when we go the religion route and, you know, anybody that knows me personally knows that I'm a very religious guy. I grew up in the church, both parents being pastors. But you also have to remember when slavery was going on. They used the Bible. Yep. That was their whole tool in terms of how to to control and generate that type of support for slavery. So even with that, there's still some differences of opinion. There's still some ways that people like to manipulate certain things to back their argument or to back their stance in some of these things. But at the end of the day, man, the biggest thing is we have to respect each other. And that's the issue right now. There isn't the same level of respect for minorities. And the reason I say minorities is because it's not just African-Americans. Right. And people are so quick to just say, oh, it's just blacks. It's not. When we talk minorities, we talk women. We talk the Latinos. We talk the LGBTs. We, we talk anybody right now that isn't a Caucasian-American. They have dealt with this. They have dealt with this in some way, shape, or form, to some extreme, to some level. They have dealt with this and we're all fed up and it shouldn't have to come to this every time. Why is it that <laughs> if this was happening to somebody that wasn't a minority, the way it would be handled in terms of the law enforcement, initially the conversations being had, but then also the justice that would follow right after is drastically different than when it's a minority on camera seeing stuff like this happen, how it still took so long how it still took so long for action or how now all of a sudden all these companies, all these different, you know, person, radio personalities, TV stars. Now they want to speak out. But when it first happened, let's be real about it. They weren't speaking out. I've seen people personally and we've had these conversations. Me and Wes have had them. People took 24, 48, some guys three days before they wanted to say anything. Now let's say, oh, I'm outraged. I feel, oh, this is just, un you can't do these type of things, man. We got we to stand up for Americans. Where was this when it first happened? Why is it that you had to be persuaded to feel that way? Mm -hmm. Why is it that you needed to be Why'd you have to see a, an Arby's on fire first exactly. before you decided to speak up? <laughs> oh, man. It, it, that it, was it, what it, pushed it, listen, you over the edge? Ma major love for Mario Lemieux. But why did it take a statue being spray painted for people to get up in arms and now they want to say, hey, man, we got to figure out a way? Why? Where was that energy when it happened? Where was that energy three months ago? Where was that energy six months ago, a year ago? And these are all the different dates when different things like this have transpired. Where was that energy in 2013 when the Boston Red Sox won the World Series at Fenway Park and there were riots all over Boston? Oh, that's different. It's sports-related. Where was that energy in Vancouver in 2010 when the Canucks lost Game 7 at home to the Boston Bruins and there oh. were riots all over? Good, oh, good, oh, that, nice, that's, good, that's nice people in Canada, that's, that's right? Different. We joke all the time about how Canadians are the nicest people ever. Yeah, there were full-blown riots because the Canucks lost Game 7. I, during my time at WVU, four and a half years, Nine semesters in Morgantown. Yeah, I got that victory. I got that half of a victory lap. My, I got my red shirt semester for an extra football season. You know how many times I saw couches on fire? Yeah, where was the condom? The condemning of that? The con condemnation? Is that the right yeah, word? Condemnation. Mm -hmm. Look at me. Look at me being all philosophical. I see. What? <laughs> when? When armed white dudes stormed the Michigan cat, when dudes in tactical gear who look like they think they're about to get dropped in the Middle East stormed <laughs> the Capitol in Michigan, 
broke into the Michigan Capitol building, were spitting in the faces of police officers. Mind you, a a month ago during the height of the coronavirus scare, spitting into the faces of police officers. Where was the nationwide outrage then? And I'll say this, too, because I don't want us to just come off as if we're preaching, right, or being just super heavy-handed. Yes. But the the root of this conversation, what we're trying to accomplish is, and what we're trying to say in layman's terms is just do better. As a nation, do better. As a nation, understand these issues. As a nation, don't try to justify or make excuses for these situations. Just work on creating a change to them. We're trying to find solutions. We don't need to just sweep up, sweep this problem under the rug because we've been doing that for too long. And yes, there are other issues going on. I understand. Oh, what about all lives matter? What about this situation? What about the earth? What, what about going green? I understand all these things. Hey, hey, listen, man, it's no different in your body, right? I know you got your elbow. You got to worry about that. Hey, man, your heart, you got to worry about that. Your brain, your knee. I understand you got all these things you got to worry about. But at the end of the day, we're focusing on this issue right now as a nation, obviously. Okay? If you're having a heart attack, don't tell me about your sprained ankle. I don't want to hear that right now. We're, we're trying to address the major issue first. And then from there, we will go and get this issue and then that issue and then that issue. Didn't we just have a big Me Too movement? That took a president over Black Lives Matter, did it not? And we were all for that. When the LGBT community, when they want to stand up and get their rights, we supported that because at the time, that was the major issue. Over the last 10 years, look at what has happened to breast cancer awareness. Yes. But has anybody been standing on the sideline of a breast cancer awareness parade screaming all cancer matters? Like, Or screaming what about (laughs) prostate cancer? Like, it's important that when something is more pressing, we deal with that. No different when you take your car and forget to get a service, right? Hey, my check engine light was on. What's going on? Man, your carburetor is trashed. You got to get it fixed. <laughs> hey, man, but but what about my bag tire? I, I think it lost just a little bit of thread. Not a lot, just a little bit. Well, it's not as pressing. You don't really need that right now, but you need this carburetor. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to drive. My mom told me this when I was a kid, and it's like, you know, there's certain piece of advice that parents or, 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 you know, coaches or whoever give you that just stick with you and they come back to you at certain points. When I was a kid, right, Motsi, like, I wanted to be the guy that was friends with everybody. I had my sports friends at school, right? I had my hockey friends from outside of the school district on my travel team. I had my church buddies. Like, I had my music buddies because mm-hmm. I played guitar. I was friend with all the band, all the band kids and all the music kids. Like, I wanted to be group friends with groups of everybody at school but sometimes that would get certain groups to give me a hard time for Mm -hmm. hanging out with other groups and I remember one time talking to my mom about that where some of my boys were kind of making fun of me for I don't remember if it was talking to the religious kids or talking to the band kids whatever it was going to be my mom said something to me that still comes back to me at times she said one you'll no one you'll you'll never regret making your circle bigger no one ever gets older in life and says, oh, man, I wish I had less friends. I wish I had less people in my life. You'll never regret making more friends. And nobody's ever regretted showing empathy, right? Like that's, I think, a thing here is you've nailed this to a T over the last 50 minutes. That everybody always wants to say, well, I've seen this. Or what about this? Well, me, 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 me. Man, just listen to other people. Just have empathy for those who have lived through and are living through different situations that you haven't and never will. That's it. You'll you'll never regret showing grace, showing empathy to someone in a time of need. Well, and it's funny you say that these people have never lived to some of the things because honestly, if you ask any minority, they wouldn't wish that on anyone because they understand what it feels like. 
they understand the hurt. They understand the fear that you're constantly living with. And it's regardless of money. Don't think just because you have money. Oh, most doesn't know anything like that. He's paid, man. It's a different lifestyle. Not at all. Not at all. That's just not how it works in America. They don't care about that. Nope. But like I said, man, it's less about trying to be divisive. It's less about trying to say, hey, you're wrong for this or pointing the finger. And it's more so about, okay, how can we address yes. this? Yeah. What are some of the things we can do? Our ride-alongs, like when we, when we first started the social injustice movement in the NFL, and we started having NFL teams back us in that regard, that was a huge step in the right direction. When we started doing the ride-along initiative where you would see different players riding with different police officers to build that conversation to understand, okay, this is what you're thinking. Well, this is what I'm thinking. And then we could both take that back to, number one, the police departments, number two, to the, to the minorities, and get everybody on the same page. These are things that have been happening. But obviously, we have to do more. Obviously, as a people, we have to do more. And like I said, don't get caught up in this whole, oh, if somebody isn't posting on social media, that means they're not doing anything. Don't think because somebody's not posting on social media that they're not involved, they're not just as outraged. Just understand that everybody moves differently. Some people will understand that, hey, posting on my platform, that helps. Or other people will say, well, you know what? Me actually getting up off my butt and going to this inner city, going to work with this program, going to donate money to this, going to donate my time to this, that can be even more impactful. 100%. And that's ultimately what we're trying to get people to understand. That's ultimately what these protests are about. They want justice. So once that can take place, well, now we can move from this and build on this. It's important we don't let George Floyd's death. It's important we don't let all the deaths that have happened prior to this, the wrongful deaths. It's important that we don't let all that be for nothing mm -hmm. that we don't let it just happen in vain it's important that we use these tools that we've acquired we use this one common goal that clearly when you look at what 142 cities protesting clearly it's a, it's a common ground for a lot of people right now how about we use this to build upon it how about we use this to show and do things to show and, and, and unify and make sure that we're doing things the correct way i think that's ultimately what we have to have happen from this can't say it any better than that. I, I I do one thing that you touched on there. I want to ask you when we come back to wrap up the first hour. Um, just the the outcry of the outcrying, maybe I should say, for athletes to speak up. Discuss that when we come back. Wrap up the first hour, and I promise we're going to talk a little football today too, as well. We will right? get to it. We yeah. uh, get at us on Twitter. We got some tweets rolling in at Wesley Euler at the Body Fifty Two. The Body Steelers Blitz returns in just a few minutes. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. All right, Motes. Last question I have for you as it relates to this, uh, this topic we've been discussing. Really just everything going on in our country here in the first hour. And you touched on this at the end of the segment there, but I didn't want to ask you this because we had to get the break, and we're already kind of like a commercial break behind. I'll, you know, I'll, pr I'll produce this all. I'll make it work. Um, but I wanted to ask you this because you started to touch on this. Um, just your opinion um, as a former athlete about the outcry 
for white athletes to speak up on this. Like, I've seen a lot of Tom Brady needs to say something, Sidney Crosby mm-hmm. needs to say something. H- how do you feel about that line of logic? First off, I don't feel like any of us should be able to tell somebody what they should speak up for and not speak up for. And let's be real about it. And I'm not saying that this is for any of the uh, – I don't like saying white athletes, just the non-minority athletes. But if a person doesn't want to speak up for it, maybe they don't feel comfortable about it. Maybe they don't feel as passionate about it. Or maybe they don't see an issue with it. And all three of those things could be true. None of those things could be true. But I look at it like this, man. I'm more concerned about those people actually doing things in the community, actually taking steps to better the situation or rectify the issue more so than just putting a tweet out. You know how many times I saw people put tweets out because of an issue was going on because they knew, oh, this is going to get my brand bigger. This is going to get more followers. And they did not care about it in the least bit, nor did they ever spend an ounce of time or money helping the situation. This is an argument that we had in the locker room that I've had that I've had in the locker room. And obviously I've been in a couple locker rooms, but (laughs) when it came time to the social injustice stuff, obviously the Kaepernick situation and everything that transpired after that, because remember the Kaepernick situation happened, I think that would have been in 17. It was either 17 or 16 or 17. yeah. Yeah. When that happened. But then remember the next couple of years, it still was a big issue, kneeling versus not kneeling and all these things. And we had very heated conversations about some people who would want to kneel on the sideline because of the appearance of it. It makes them look like they're down for the cause, but did not care to even come and volunteer at anything in the in the off days to improve that situation. They didn't donate any money. They didn't donate any time to improve that situation. And we were like, man, this is propaganda. This is an issue. If you really are concerned, I don't want to see you kneeling on Sunday, but then when it comes Tuesday and I'm trying to get you to come with me to help out and, and have an impact on these issues that you're quote-unquote kneeling for, oh, you don't have time for that. Oh, I don't want to do that. Oh, I ain't tripping on that. Like that, that was an issue for multiple guys in that locker room that we would have these debates about and these conversations about because it's less about what you're doing for the public to see and more so what you're doing to implement change. Yep. And I think that was always the biggest issue with that. And that's why I always get mad when people say, well, man, this guy needs to tweet. If this guy puts a tweet out, how many tweets have saved a person's life? Please tell me. <laughs> I mean, because people were tweeting back when, Ka- when, the, when Kaepernick was kneeling, right? How many, uh, how, how many of those tweets really saved somebody's life? Yeah, how many press releases have greatly altered the landscape of America? Like, like, <laughs> when has any of that changed? Especially, too, a I tweet think. doesn't do that. I think two moats. If you're somebody who is very vocal about this stuff, and you, I'm not going to name any names, but you and I have discussed mm-hmm. some people, both in Pittsburgh and in the national picture, who mm-hmm. it seems like every time there's an issue in this country, they always want to give their opinion. Can't wait. Coronavirus, they wouldn't shut up. This and that, they wouldn't shut up. But now with this, they're silent. Mm-hmm. There's a difference between yes. calling out somebody like that yes. versus... A Tom Brady or a Sidney Crosby who doesn't even speak publicly like that. Sidney Crosby's just a robot who plays hockey. Right. He's never spoken about anything But I can assure you, if you look, I'm sure it's causes that he's backed. No different than when we talked Pouncey. It was for so long, man. We would say, well, Pouncey, man, you're doing all this stuff in the community. Why don't you tell people? Why don't you get 
like the notoriety the recognition for that. Example. He's like, I don't want that. I'm not doing it for that. And I said, well, man, it's a benefit sometimes because, you know, I, I'm in the same boat. I said, man, I do both. I said, some things I let cameras come to, some stuff I stay low key. I said, but the reason why the camera's there, sometimes it helps to raise that awareness. Sure. It helps to let people know it, it could potentially motivate somebody to hop on board with sure. you. And for him, he was like, man, that's just not my, my vibe. Everybody is different in that regard. But the thing that we could both agree upon was that regardless of my method or his method, we both had the same common goal of we're going to do things to impact the community positively. We're not just going to post about it. We're not just going to release the very polished statement press release <laughs> from our publicist that looks perfect. I mean, every grammar is in intact commas, semicolons, and all this other nonsense. But whom, whom is used correctly. Right. But, but yet they won't even go out into the community and do anything. Like, that. that's the part for me. Where I always have that issue. So I'm not, I, I don't have a concern with the guys who have always been quiet, the guys who have always worked behind the scenes. No, not at all. They should operate the way that they operate as long as they're doing with number one, they believe, but number two, it's going to ultimately generate change. It's going to have a real right. tangible I'm impact. I'm fine with that. And like you said, for the guys that are very vocal about every other issue, but now all of a sudden they want to get quiet, well, now that's a different statement. Keep that that's same a energy. different message. Because we've seen it, and if you look at the track record, the tweets are there forever. They ain't gonna lie. We we mm-hmm. hey, we can pull it up. We know that, and I'm sure the people that are listening know the people that we're talking about because they're very very vocal on certain issues. And then they went real quiet for a couple days. They they went LeBron mode, zero dark thirty for and the playoffs. They, and then they got real yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh no, now now y'all ain't on social media. Y'all y'all tweeting thirty times in a day. Now all of a sudden y'all radio silence. And the same people who were saying, oh well, LeBron speaks out on everything. Where's his statement on China? <laughs> now 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 they're silent too mm-hmm. on this. Yeah. It's it all comes back to the theme of hypocrisy, I think, that we started with right motes. And as you've said many times, be the change you want to see. Mm-hmm. Y- you're you're a perfect embodiment of that, man. Like you said, a lot of the stuff that you do people know about, but there's so much that you've got going on that people don't have any idea that does good for the community. I think that's the you know what's the the famous I think it was I can't remember if it was uh Franklin Roosevelt or Teddy Roosevelt said walk humbly and ca- but carry a big stick, mm-hmm. right? So so be humble, be quiet, but do big things. Absolutely. And I think, man, so many people are focused on their neighbor's yard. So many people are focused on their neighbor's house when they should be focusing on their own house. Get your own affairs in order. Do the right thing. Your Do the right thing, the thing that you believe is correct in your community. Be that example. And, and slowly you'll start to – slowly – but you will start to see change around you. But we also have to understand, too, a lot of this does root from some of the insecurities, man. It's easier for a person to point at 100%. somebody else's flaws 100%. than it is for them to look in the mirror. Most it's easier to gain weight than it is to lose weight, right. baby. Right, which is why it's so easy when <laughs> when an issue like this happens in America and it's brought to the, for, the forefront. It's so easy to change the narrative to, well, look at this. Oh, well, look at that. Well, let's talk about this instead. Because Don't let people move those yeah, goalposts. Because nobody really likes that accountability. It's a very uncomfortable feeling. That's why as athletes professionally, we always talked about that's the biggest thing that would separate us a lot of times from the non-professional athletes is how we hold each other accountable, how we're able to look each other in the eye and say, hey, man, you messed up and you have to own it. You have to chew it. Yeah, I did that. I lost that. I got to do better in that regard. A lot of people aren't comfortable in that. A lot of people are very sensitive when it comes to that. And a lot of people are insecure in who they are. And that's why it's hard for them to grow in that department but if they can just realize that hey man if you can get through the uncomfortable stage if you can get through that stage of 
man, this is going to really ruffle some feathers. This is going to really make me feel insecure about this thing. Once you get through that stage, well, that's when the growth can start to happen. That's when you could turn into that person that you really want to be. That's when you can have that impact that you really want to have. And ultimately, that's how you can make things how they really need to be. But it doesn't happen without that rough stage, man. It's no different, man, when, when, when you're doing your hair, when you're growing your hair out. You go through that rough phase, <laughs> and then it gets nice. When, you, when you're planting crops, you go through a rough phase, and then they grow. That's how it is in life, man. You have to go through a rough stage to get to that best When part. you're trying to kick a bad habit, you yeah. go through a rough stage. You can't get to the mountaintop without going through a valley. You're going to have to have a low place, and now you can go ahead and work your way up, man. That's just how it goes in life. I can't promise that this is the last that Arthur Motes and I are going to talk about that, about this. You got me on my soapbox, because, man. Because that would be wrong. But I promise when we come back here, Arthur Motes, I've got a football topic to discuss. Good, because you got me on my – you got me going right now, man. <sighs> Ready to rock after missing time last year. Who are the names coming back from injury that are going to have the biggest impact on the 2020 NFL season? Hmm, one of them might just be a certain gunslinger of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Might have a fresh cut. <laughs> we'll get into all that when we return. We'll also take your tweets. At West Steeler at the Body 52. The Body. One hour in the books, another hour to go. Stick with us inside the Electric Factory. He's Arthur Motes. I'm Wesley Euler. This is Steelers Blitz on SNR. Euler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR. Steelers Nation Radio. Good afternoon, Steelers Nation. How we doing? Fired up. Well, that's good. Me too. Mm-hmm. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler with you here on a Monday. Hour number two inside the Electric Factory. You already know the drill. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR. Rolling along here after an important first hour of conversation. And that can continue. If you want to get at us on Twitter, at Wesley Euler at the body 52. The body. But we will transition here to get into some football because... Also, Motes, let's be honest here, too. Like, none of this is going away. Mm-mm. This isn't going to be the last time you and I ever talk about what might be deemed by some as uncomfortable things on the show here. This will not be the last time. Um, but we're going to transition here a little bit, all right? And the words of Coach Tom, you have to be comfortable in the uncomfortable. <laughs> Ready to rock after missing some time, Arthur Motes. 12 players returning from significant injuries or absences in 2019 who are primed to make the biggest impact in 2020. You ready for this? All right, let's talk about it. Number one is a name we all know, Ben Roethlisberger. I don't think that, and this is not my list, by the way. This is uh, NFL.com's list. I think that's safe, though. Um, If you look at last year, what the Steelers were able to do, still being in playoff contention, despite the carousel and the struggles at quarterback alone, that's not even taking into account all the other significant injuries. Yeah. I When you're talking about, there's a lot of big names on this list who, who are coming back but I don't think is any. Obviously, we know the significance of the quarterback position and on this team, how good the Steelers can be if they get not even old Big Ben, but just what we know Big Ben is capable of. If they Mm -hmm. get some or most of that, how big of an impact that's going to have. Number one on the list, Arthur Motes, of players ready to rock after missing time, Benjamin Roethlisberger. I mean, he does look good. <laughs> At least wait, from an appearance standpoint. I was going to say, I mean, wait, you mean in the literal sense or I mean, in the figurative sense? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, literally, he looks good. Like, I mean, you saw you saw the the fresh cut, the shave. Look nice. Like, they put, like, shampoo in his beard. I like that. And from the two and the, what was it, I guess, minute 
long clip. Yeah. With the edits. Where's Still our, look good. Where's, where's our buddy Brian Batko when we need the Drake reference? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Number two on the list, another one, certainly, quarterback, substantial uh, member of his franchise for the last decade plus, I think 11-year career, Matthew Stafford. Yeah. He's, I mean, a t- he's think- always been a tough one for me to evaluate. Well, the thing with Stafford is this, man. He's a very good quarterback. Yes. But I think he falls short of the great yes. quarterback conversations. He's in the Matt Ryan realm, not in the Drew Brees, Aaron yes. Rodgers and I like how you mentioned Matt Ryan because that's kind of what I've always wondered with Matthew Stafford is if their careers had flip-flopped, right? Mm. If Stafford had ended up in Atlanta okay. and Ryan had ended up in Detroit, would we look at Matthew Stafford differently? Yeah. I think so. Because Matt Ryan, I mean, obviously he has an MVP, and obviously he went to a Super Bowl. Granted, they, he's had he some lost. really some seasons yes. where they won 12, 13, 14 games. Absolutely. But I think, like, as a whole, Ryan's career is viewed higher because of his postseason yes. success and because of his top flight regular season. Yes. Is has been drastically better than Matthew Stafford's top flight regular seasons. But I will say this I think organizationally, Matthew Stafford has been a part of a lot more dysfunction in Detroit. Right. Along with. 100%. Along with. Calvin Johnson retiring so soon. Mm-hmm. That'd be the the equivalent of Julio Jones uh just retiring out the blue. Three I think years we would ago, see, four years right, ago, yeah. We would have seen a different Matt Ryan going forward. I mean, but both of those guys collided up. I just think Atlanta has run a lot better. I agree. I think Atlanta across the board has had better teams throughout the years. I concur. And I think their division has definitely helped them out a lot. Too. That's what to me, that's just the ultimate example of man, where you land matters. Yes. <laughs> it just does. Number three on this list, he's landing somewhere new, uh, not coming back from injury, coming back from retirement. Who does he think he is? Michael Jordan? Mm-hmm. Rob Gronkowski. This is not, this is always gonna be weird to say, but tight end Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Hey, man, he said that he came out of retirement and went to Tampa because of his mother, I think he said. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, shout out to Mama Gronk. Shout out to Mama <laughs> Gronk. In the vision here, a wide receiver, A.J. Green. Mm. Over the past two years, Arthur Motes, he has missed 23 of 32 games. Can he bounce back? Health is the biggest thing. He's in that same conversation right now, not to the same degree, but of a James Conner. When healthy, you know what he can be. When healthy, you know he can take over, he can be dominant. The problem is, of lately, he has not been able to stay healthy whatsoever. Yeah. But obviously, the Cincinnati Bengals, they understand how dynamic he is because they wouldn't have franchise tagged him if they did not. They would have allowed him to leave. They would have, you know, traded him or done anything this offseason. But with A.J. Green, you understand when he's healthy, he's one of the best receivers in the NFL. He's in that conversation year in and year out when healthy. And when you're bringing in a young quarterback, Joe Burrow, Tyler Boyd, hey, man, Tyler Boyd's really good. T. Higgins, he can be really good. Neither one of them are A.J. Green. Joe Mixon, he can be really good. He's not A.J. He's Green. He's not A.J. Green. Yeah. A.J. Green I mean, there was a time, is what you call your receiver's best friend. There was a time where he was legitimately, for a long time, in the discussion for best wide receiver in the National Football Just League. throw it up. Yep. Just throw it up. Yeah. He, he Health is the issue. You're right. But if he's close to that, he's going to have a big impact on that offense. Mm-hmm. David Andrews, center Ooh. for the Patriots. Yeah, this is one that not a lot of people talk about. Patriots had their struggles on offense last year. And and certainly the aging of Tom Brady and a lot of those guys and the lack of weapons for Tom Brady was a big issue. But, man, when you're missing your anchor of that offensive line, that's, that's a big deal. Absolutely. I mean, I think here in Pittsburgh we've seen firsthand 
when we've been without Marquise Pouncey, the impact that that's had on the offensive line, not only from a ability standpoint, but from a communication standpoint, the center, man, that's the beacon of communication. They set all your protections. Mm-hmm. They, they do some of everything, man, in terms of making sure that you're protecting the quarterback. So I think, man, David, it's going to be, it's going to be hard to gauge his bounce back just because it's so much transitioning. It's so much transitioning happening. Sure. Or excuse me, so much transition happening it's in true. New England. When you're looking at Brady leaving, you're looking at Gronk obviously being retired. When you're looking at some of the different receivers that they're bringing in, getting rid of. I mean, it's just a lot of movement, a lot of moving pieces. Six more names on this list. Another big offensive line name. We will get to that on the other side as well as your tweets at Wesley Euler at the Body Fifty Two. The Body. Rolling along here, hour number two. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR. is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. The most Wesley Euler on a Monday breaking down here. Those ready to rock after missing time in 2019. Guys with injuries like Ben Roethlisberger. Guys for different reasons, retirement reasons, whatever it may be. Like a Rob Gronkowski. Gronk back in the fold. Motsi, the NFL just feels better with Gronk involved in it. I will say I that. Mean, it's supposed to be that way. It's supposed to be. You got to have the goofball fun guy in every league, right? You've got to have the guy in every league who's just there to take the edge off, who maybe doesn't do things in the conventional way. Rob Gronkowski certainly was that for the Patriots and the National Football League. Uh, Back to the list here, Motsi. A big name who didn't play last year for a different reason. Trent Williams. Out of D.C., across the coast to the Niners. I think this is another one of those prime candidates, Arthur Motes. That 49ers team is really good in the trenches already. You add Trent Williams to that team. Whew! Uh, the 31-year-old coming off a year of not playing. Sure, there might be some rust there, but you'd also hope that there's some some health considerations there too, right? Where he had a, a year of not getting all that abuse and all those car crashes on his body. Uh, seven-time Pro Bowler. Uh, Joe Staley retires. Trent Williams slides in. Man, that's he doesn't work out much better there for the 49ers. I mean, and you know what draft class he was a part of. So <laughs> the best draft class ever, so, 2010. So, baby. so forgive me if I'm not surprised. <laughs> in fact, he should probably be higher up on this list. Yeah, I, I, I think you. I know you and I have talked about this before, but I love what the 49ers are doing. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, I'm a fan of finding what you do well and continuing to do that at a, a just an elite level. I think of all the teams that we've seen win championships, multiple championships in any sport, right, over the last, let's just say, five years as a, as a sample period here, other than maybe the New England Patriots, because we've talked about them as an anomaly for a lot of reasons, mm-hmm. chief most amongst them maybe that it seems like they never have an identity. Their identity is that they're willing to do whatever to beat you. 
Like, we've seen this with the Patriots, right, two years ago when they came to Heinz Field and lost to the Steelers. They seemingly, for the next six or seven weeks, just completely played a diff. They completely shifted their identity from a passing team to a ground-and-pound team and went on to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. It's crazy how they do that. So aside from the Patriots, though, I feel like every other team, like the Kansas City Chiefs, we're going to score points, stop us. You know what I mean? They're, they're not trying to lie about what they are. I think that's what the Niners are doing. The Niners last year, man, they built their team. They built their success on being better in the trenches than everybody else. So what do you do? You add Kinlaw in the draft. You strengthen that defensive line. You add Trent Williams uh, via trade. They are riding the horse that got them there, right? It reminds me like in 2016 when the Penguins were faster than everybody and they just continue. All right, you know what? Let's keep this up. Let's get dudes who can move. You got a third line with Carl Hagelin and Phil Kessel and Nick Benito. The Peng- they found that identity and they rode the horse that got them there. That's what I think the Niners are doing, and I, I think that's a smart model. Yeah, absolutely, man. You have to commit to something, and you have to commit to the identity that is truly yours. You can't try to, oh, well, they're doing it. It's successful for them. Let's try that because that doesn't work. We did that in Buffalo numerous times. It was like, hey, man, <laughs> well, this team wants to be physical. Let's try to be physical. Oh, you know what? No, this team, they're fast. Let's, let's go fast. All right, all right, all right. This is the analyticals. All right, we, we're going analytical now. You, you can't do that, man. You have to stick with what works for you. And you hit, it right, you hit the nail right on the head with the Niners, man. They want to dominate you in the trenches. And that's how you saw the running backs, all four running backs in San Fran, have the success that they had. That's how you saw the defense for the Niners have the success that they had because they were able to make you one-dimensional. They were able to make you play their game. People forget this is a Niners team that won a playoff game with Garoppolo throwing, what, seven completions? Mm-hmm. Was it seven completions? I, I think, think so. seven completions. Yeah. He was like seven for nine or something. Or and they went blew, and they blew him out. Right. He threw less than ten. Yes. Less than ten for sure. So when you think about that, that is a team that say, hey, man, we are fully committed to who we are, and we're not going to allow anybody to influence us to change. And I love it. Me too. I, I think it's a smart business model. I, I really do. Jonah Williams checking in on this list, speaking of offensive linemen too. Uh, the rookie who never got a chance to debut with the Bengals last year, of course, their 2019 first-round pick. The offensive line was not good for the Bengals. Not at all. It stinks that you didn't have this guy last year, but at least I think you can look at it as kind of like a glass-half-full thing now where not only are you getting Joe Burrow, not only hopefully healthy A.J. Green back, now you get Jonah Williams. You get your first-round pick from a year ago, a left tackle. It's almost like a double bonus. Like you get two first-round picks this year. If he is a first-round caliber offensive lineman, Motsi, that's obviously at left tackle position, that's going to be a huge bonus for the Bengals yeah, and definitely. for Joe, the, the development of their quarterback. It definitely will because we talked about how they needed a ton of help last year, man, across that line. Ever since uh, Whitworth left, Andre yeah. Whitworth, man, yeah. they, they haven't. Andrew Whitworth. I mean, excuse me, Andrew, yeah. I'm yeah, tripping. look, I'm rubbing off on you, baby. Yeah, ever since Andrew Whitworth left, man, they, they've struggled a lot in terms of protecting their quarterback situation, whether it was Dalton, whether it was Finley, and now with it being Joe Burrow. So with that being the case, man, Jonah is definitely going to – I mean, if he is as good as, you know, he said like as, as projected because that's the issue right now. It's not as if he played some games and then got hurt. We haven't really had a chance to see him right. at this level. So we don't know necessarily how he's going to translate because a lot of times we talk about offensive linemen in particular, they're 50-50 in terms of these draft picks. Some of them pan out and – just as many that pan out don't pan out. I feel like that's the only position in the NFL where it's that drastic, too, with some of these guys. So it'd be interesting to see how he handles it. Obviously, coming back from the labrum, that's not a major injury in terms of him having any lingering effects right. from that. It's but, not like an ACL or yeah. where it might affect him for the rest of his career. Yeah, but I think it's going to be – I mean, like I said, in theory, on paper right now, 
it definitely is a huge upgrade, though. J.J. Watt checking in on this list as well, too. And Moats, in theory, I agree with this. I just don't know how practical it is. We talk about the <laughs> – everything comes full circle on this show. I've talked about the definition of insanity. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at the last four years here. Last year, J.J. Watt played eight games. 2018, he played 16. Okay, healthy for a full season. 2017, he played five games. 2016, he played 17 games. So in the last four seasons, only one of those years has he been healthy, Motes. And in the last four seasons, only one of those years has he played more than half the games. He's 31 years old now. I I just don't know if I expect that to change. When J.J. Watt is healthy, he is one of the greatest defensive linemen in NFL history. I just... If I look at the last four years and the struggles that he's had staying healthy, I don't know why I expect that to change now that he's on the other side of 30. Yeah, man, I could definitely agree with you in that I, I hope, I hope, I hope it goes well <laughs> for him. You know what I mean? I'm, yeah. I'm just being realistic here when I'm evaluating this list. Well, because the thing is, it's been happening very frequently, and it's not as if he's having small injuries. Oh, it's a sprained ankle. Or, you know, it's just a, a torn labor. I'm like, no, he's having major injuries that are requiring major surgeries with major rehabilitations where you're contemplating if he's going to retire off of these injuries. Right. And, I mean, shout out to his his grit, shout out to his toughness, but he continues to come back. But in terms of his health, man, it's been very, very bad going, I mean, over these past couple of seasons. And it's funny, too, where it said that Watt wasn't seeking an extension. I wonder, is that him putting that out there? Or is it the organization saying, hey, man, we're not really looking to extend you until we know that you can stay healthy? It's because he wants to come to Pittsburgh and play with his two brothers, obviously. I heard that all of them in two years are going to go to Green Bay so they could play in their hometown. How dare you? That's what I heard. Let me stop spreading rumors. (laughs) Side note, have you seen that new Subway commercial? How great is that? that, That's pretty dope. uh, Tuna for JJ, turkey for TJ. Yeah, that's pretty dope, man. This is why we named your brother Derek. (laughs) My wife loves that commercial, man. Yeah, I just, I hope I'm wrong. I hope he plays full 16 games because, man, when he does, he's, he's one of the most electric defensive linemen we've ever seen. I just, you know, the whole definition of insanity when you're when you're starting to get older in age. I I, I hope I'm wrong. I, I do hope I'm wrong. Bradley Chubb, kind of the opposite here. Mm-hmm. A young guy that you and I have all kinds of hope for. We loved his first season last year for a multitude of different reasons. He got he was injured in week four and that lingered all year. Uh, new coaching staff, new scheme. But I expect Bradley Chubb to bounce back in a big way this year. Yeah, man. We we talked about how Von Miller. <clears throat> suffered a little bit not having Bradley Chubb next to him. We talked about the first year that Bradley Chubb had where he lit the league on fire. And we know with them two together, I mean, that one-two punch is – it could be one of the best in the league, period. Two, two years ago it was, yeah. Yeah. But then I also like how when you're reading up about this, they say that, hey, man, if Bradley Chubb could come back and be who he is, it could make the, the Broncos move on from Von Miller. I said, oh, boy. I don't yeah, know about yeah, that. Yeah, 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 tripping now. We're always so quick to try and find the next guy. <laughs> like, what right? are we doing here? What are we doing? This is a quick digression here. Total. Why do we do that? We're always so quick to find the next guy. I mean, every sport. Mm-hmm. Every sport. People have been trying to get Tom Brady to crown the next great quarterback forever. In basketball, Mozi, how many different dudes have they propped up as saying, like, all right, well, this is the guy to take the title from LeBron. LeBron's still here standing. They switch it every couple for, of years. For four years now, they've been trying to say that Connor McDavid's better than Sidney Crosby and Alexander Ovechkin. Why do we always do this? Why do we always, like, 
as sports fans and I know like members of the sports media are guilty of this too. We're always infatuated with the next thing. We're always we can't wait for Giannis Antetokounmpo to take the crown from LeBron when Giannis Antetokounmpo's won two playoff series in his entire <laughs> career. What are we talking about here? <sighs> I kind of feel this way too with like with some of these. Like, why are we always so gung ho? To the, the legendary icon guy to see there to see somebody else take the mantle. Why can't you just enjoy the greatness while it's still there? I don't know. That was a quick digression. Hey, but then when they do a a, a last dance type uh, documentary on them, everybody be praising him. Oh yeah, man, yeah. he was the best. Oh man, we missed that guy. Oh, I wish he was here now. And which is weird too, because we only do that in like team sports. Mm-hmm. Because no one's trying to push Tiger Woods out. Nope. No one was trying to push Michael Phelps out. Nope. It's weird how we only do that in team sports. Mugs, N- you Nadal? and I are just you, <laughs> yeah. You and I are just solving all of society's problems right now. Just the little things, man. <laughs> We're just all over the place. Uh, number ten on this list: Deshaun Jackson, wide receiver, Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, another one for me, Motes, that the age thing comes into factor. He's going to be thirty-four this season, and. He's missed games. All right, so so 2018, he played 12 games. 2017, he played 14. So he's missed games, but he's still been there for the lion's share of the season. I just wonder if all these little injuries for Deshaun Jackson or maybe, you know, the acute injuries are finally adding up along with his age. I, I just wonder how productive he can truly be. Yeah, well, I, I will say this, though. The only reason why I'm a little more optimistic about Deshaun is because he's not going to need to be the number one receiver in Philly this year. They've right. done a really good job of drafting. They did Marquise a good Goodwin, Jalen yeah. Rager. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they did a good job in terms of bringing in some pieces to help and supplement that position. Now, if Deshaun is your number two or you're using him as a pseudo slot receiver type thing, I think that that could be very, very, very beneficial for Deshaun. Less plays, but he's going to be able to be a lot more productive. He's not going to have the same type of matchups. Even though I still think when healthy, he he can still fly. He can still fly. He can still fly. He still has that. It's just the injuries, man. When you're continuing to have a lot of injuries, that's the concern. But, I mean, he's not the only receiver on that roster with injury concerns. You look at Marquise Goodwin, Alshon Jeffrey. All three of those guys have been, you know, dealing with nicks and bruises, missing time throughout these past couple of seasons. So they're all in the same, you know, we like to call them wounded warriors. (laughs) But ultimately, man, I do think that Deshaun, if the role is right with him not having to be the number one guy, he can definitely have some success and, and ultimately have a really good bounce back. Last two names on this list. We'll wrap up with some defense, Mozi. As we finally, jeez, C.J. Mosley. I'm not gonna linebacker, lie, linebacker, New York Jets. C.J. was balling. I was mad when he got hurt. I mean, because I couldn't be a fan of his when he was in Baltimore, obviously. Right. But when he went to the Jets, I said, "Yo, I can actually like appreciate his game. I can like his style." And he was balling. Mm-hmm. And I was so mad because it started with, I mean, they, the, the groin is what ultimately set him down, but it started with a hamstring. And I was just like, no. And you know how like, no. that happens early in the season, it never turns out well. Not at all, it man. It just I said, compounds it's, it's, as the year goes It's either going to be that or it's going to grow to something else and ultimately happen to something else. I was so frustrated. But that dude, yeah. It's a good football player. Yes, indeed. Highly productive, a leader, big time plays, checks all the boxes, man. Last but not least here, a young guy. Interesting here, man. Jonathan Abram. Yeah. I, hey. He, a, he was the uh, the hard knocks, you yeah. know. Gruden's telling him to take it easy. I thought that was the whole irony, right? Gruden's <laughs> telling him to take it easy. He's like, man, that's just my style of play. I hit. I'm physical. And then literally the first game, 
<laughs> she gets hurt. Yeah, that, and that's the thing is like it's that hard hitting style that almost raises questions about his longevity, right? Correct. Yeah, but he can be a playmaker. He can be a dog in this league for sure. Oh yeah, man, he could be a highly productive player. He's versatile. He checks a ton of boxes, which is why he was selected when he was selected, and why the hype was around him. But the problem is, like you said, can you sustain that? I was teammates with a guy, Mike Mitchell, man, here in Pittsburgh, another physical, yeah. hard-hitting safety. And I would see how his body would continue to break down and how much he would have to do to just be able to go. And a lot of times he's coming into games not even healthy. He's still banged up from the week before because of that super physical style of play. So it's going to be important for Jonathan, man, to, number one, you still keep that physical mentality because that's never going to go away, but just be smarter about it. Understand when you need to take that 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 extra blow, that hit, and when you shouldn't. And I think once he can realize that, that'll help him out a lot. Yeah, it reminds me of Bob Sanders in that yes, regard a yes, little bit. Yes, because a guy like Cam Chancellor, for example, could get away with it because he was – I mean, he was bigger than he me, and I played type. outside linebacker, yeah. like body type-wise. These 5'10", 5'11", guys. Yeah, it's, it's not the same. They're they're taking more punishment than they're dishing out. And that's the issue in that regard. So that's why it's important that they are they understand where to take their shots, but then also be smart. Understand, okay, man, I don't need that big hit right there. There's your list. 12 guys set to bounce – well, not even bounce back to, – to get it rolling. Yeah, man. Off of injuries and, and other things from last season. One more segment to go here as we wrap up the show – on this Monday, first Monday in June here. Get your tweets in it's now. Really June? I know. Well, as we as we decided, right, March has just continued to be one long month. So it's okay. Mer it, April, May, June. See, at least you're going months. I just look at it. Mer- is it spring or now it's summer? Mer April, June. I'm just it's in summer now. So summer, all the months count as summer. <laughs> we'll wrap up the show with your tweets as we always do when we return. Last chance to get them in at Wes Euler at the Body Fifty Two. The Body. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. We wrap, as we always do, with the participation from the power grid, the megawatts, with a little Ico Ico in the background. Motesy, I gotta say, I'm... I'm proud of our listeners today. I said this at the beginning of the show, right? I I don't think any of our listeners would have any problems with the conversation that we had in the first hour of the program because I think most of our listeners are good-hearted people. I think you know, I think we attract that type of crowd, right? I mean, you know what it is, man. Real recognize real, baby. <laughs> that's, that's right. Uh, Joseph says, definitely appreciating this conversation. Keep it up, fellas. Don Juan, this is why I love the show. You guys are doing a wonderful job with this issue. Keep preaching Pastor Euler and Pastor Motes. Church. It started, uh, it's stated in the Pledge of Allegiance, one nation under God. And then Gregory, of course, listen, you, Motes, you know this wouldn't be right if we didn't get a question from the power grid about okay. something okay. smoking meats or, or cooking okay. grilling related. Okay. Gregory says, uh, prayers to everyone and their family that's being affected by this and question for you guys. Would you ever try this in the smoker? And it is Beyond Meat, the Beyond Burger. Burger King stuff, Plant-based burger patties. Yeah, so Burger King, I think, sells these. I think there's a lot of places that have started to sell these. A healthy alternative. Impossible kinds of burgers. 
but they're supposed to still taste like burger. I mozi um, or beef. <laughs> I've had a, I've had a lot of people who I trust their opinions tell me that these burgers are good. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if I would ever like. I'm not against. I'm not knocking anybody who has the the meat based plant based burger patties. I just like unless my health conditions required me to consume those, I don't think I would. That's all. I'm just I'm going to continue I'm going to continue to eat red meat until my DNA, until my biology, until my genetics go whoa 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 big fella, you better get a little bit healthier here, which I'm sure will happen to me at some point in my life. I'm 29 years old, you know, I'm staring down 30 like the barrel of a gun. But yeah, as long as my health holds up, I'm going to eat as much red meat as I can. Well, I can tell you I've already passed that burial, and I'm on the other side of 30, <laughs> and I still eat my red meat. I don't really discriminate when it comes to my food. That's the way I like to live my life. Hey. But um, in terms of the Beyond Burger, the Beyond Meats and stuff like that, I have heard very positive things from it. And like you said, man, people, I mean, if seasoned properly, that's another thing. Yes. And that yes. goes with anything. I've had tofu that tastes like regular meat. The it's satan, all ab- the chicken yeah. satan It's all good. about yeah. the seasoning. It's all about the preparation. Yes. So as long as you're preparing it the right way, seasoning the right way, man, absolutely you can go with it. And I'm sure people will love it. And the funny thing is when you don't tell them it's a Beyond Burger and you let them just think that this is a regular ground beef, that's where you always get the kick of it. But for me personally, man, I'm, I'm a – I like to indulge in the the finer things of life, or yeah. the less finer things. However, you want to point that there. <laughs> you know, it's a it's a bullcrap line that a lot of people like to excuse in this kind of greater society conversation that we've had on the show today, Motsi. Mm. But when it comes to meat, I don't see any color. Wow. Red meat. Wow. White meat. Church. Dark meat. Get them. I don't see any color. <laughs> That's the only time I'll ever allow you to use that excuse is when it comes oh, to meat. Man. I see no color mozi. Red meat, white meat, dark meat, poultry, fish. Moats is over there looking at his watch like, all right, man, what are we funny, get, man. What are we doing here? What are we getting I like out it. of here? Yeah, I like it. What, what are we I was actually reading something. Man. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> I like the multitask. You know me. Arthur Moats, that'll do it for today's show. Uh, it was a heavy one in a lot of regards. We still got our laughs in. We got good participation from everybody. I think it was important that we had this honest show today. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I'm, I'm not going to promise anybody. I'd be lying to you. I'd be naive if I said we'll never talk about this stuff again. But I'm thankful for everybody that was rocking with us today. I, I truly am. And, and I hope that y'all take heed to what we said, man, in terms of don't look for reasons to divide. Don't use this opportunity to just point the finger and say, well, this versus that. Look for ways to unite. Look for ways to make us all better. Because it's not just – a minority issue of course it's not but at the same time this is not an issue that just minorities can fix by themselves or non-minorities can fix by themselves it's going to take a group effort it's going to take all of us coming together for a common goal no different than how all of us come together under the steel nation banner i mean think about how diverse steel nation is and the different backgrounds the different social standings the different relationships different standings. countries man. i mean everything is different but the common goal is what Steeler nation right the pittsburgh steelers so treat life the exact same way that's how i look at it man regardless of our social bringings our backgrounds our experiences how can we improve the quality of life for everyone that's here and then go from there amen my guy church my gosh, itch. Just so everybody knows, right? When it comes to these kind of things, if you're coming at Arthur Motes, all right? Uh-oh. It's like a scene from the town. Uh-oh. 
You know that everybody knows that movie, The Town, with Ben Affleck in Boston, movie. right? High quality movie, right there, man. Where he shows up to his buddy's house. It's Hawkeye. What's it? What's his? <laughs> what's, the, what's the actor's name? Uh, Jeremy uh, Renner. Yeah, Jeremy Ren- Renner, Renner, right? As he yeah. said, Renner. So Ben Affleck and Jeremy Renner are boys, right? <laughs> and uh, and Ben Affleck needs some help taking care of some bad people, but he can't really go into detail. He disclose all the information. So he shows up to Jeremy Renner's house, to his buddy's house, and he says, "Look, I need your help." You, can, you can't ask me why or what this is about. We're never going to talk about this again, but we're going to hurt some people. And Jeremy Renner looks at Ben Affleck and says, whose car are we taking? In a very thick Boston accent, whose, hey. ca- whose car are we taking? When it comes to issues like this, Arthur Motes is Ben Affleck and I'm Jeremy Renner, all right? Arthur Motes just tells me who, what, when, where, why, and how, and I just ask, whose car are we taking? And that's why we are Eula in Motes, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and we'll be back, as always, <sighs> knucklehead. We're on a 22-hour break, knuckleheads. So, bleep, 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 That's all, folks. And stay safe out there, too. And that's the way it was. And stay classy, Pittsburgh <laughs> and San Diego. <laughs> all right, see, we had to get all of our goofiness out. All the seriousness, you know, we kind of pushed our goofiness aside, rightfully so, in the first hour of the show. And they said we couldn't be serious. So we just had to get all that goofiness out there in about a 30-second about a stretch there. We'll talk to Yins tomorrow, same time, high noon, and as always, on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, Steel Nation Radio.